Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is Horseshoes and LTL with my friend Scooter Sayers. How's it going, Scooter? Oh, it's going great, Joe. Scooter, please introduce yourself and your company. But before you do that, I just want to say I'm very excited to talk about this topic today because LTL can be so confusing. And we've lately, I've had people on my podcast who've uh, you know kind of pointed out some of the challenges with LTL. And Scooter is been there, done that, got the hat when it comes to LTL. So he's going to talk about a little bit what's gone on wrong in the past and what we're doing to fix all that. So Scooter, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah. So I'm Scooter Sayers. I'm the uh, owner of uh, Sayers Logistics LLC, a small boutique consulting firm that uh, dabbles mainly in the LTL space. I live in the Atlanta metro area, moved here a couple of years ago after having lived in Arkansas for many, many years. A lot of what I do today is working with 3PLs, small to medium-sized 3PLs, helping them to uh, either move into LTL or step up their game in LTL. And I work with a number of larger shippers to help them understand how to better manage their freight spend. Uh, maybe it's an RFP event or it's uh, just figuring out how to manage the uh, LTL business within the four walls of their, of their uh, company. You know, that's a lot of times I find that's where some of the best savings can be found with transportation is just focusing on what your best practices are versus trying to talk to the carriers about doing something on their end. Right, right. And, you know, before we hit record, we talked a little bit about your background in LTL. We'll get to that in just a second. But LTL is not easy. And it's a great service and we all need it or many of us need it. I'm from a manufacturing background, automotive. We really use LTL. So, um, but it is not always as easy and straightforward as truckload. It's much smaller. There's fewer players. We'll get into all that in just a second. And so when you say, I'm going to work with 3PLs and brokers and the carriers and some shippers as a consultant, I get that because I think there's enough misinformation out there, but also just people who might say, I move millions and millions of dollars worth of freight every month, but I have no idea how to get these LTL relationships built. And so you need, you're the matchmaker. (laughs) Anyway, Scooter, before we go any further and talk about horseshoes and LTL, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And you've got this long background in LTL. Tell us a little bit about that. That could be the whole podcast. Make it quick. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So, um, I actually, I actually grew up in the uh, in the Carolinas of Virginia. My dad was a Marine, so we hopped. You know, every three years we hopped from a new place to a new place. He was born and raised in Arkansas, so when he when he retired, we moved to Arkansas, and that was a big challenge for me because I I grew up as a kid on the East Coast eating seafood all the time because I lived within thirty miles of the beach, and we moved to Arkansas, and in Arkansas, at least at the time, seafood was catfish, so that was a big adjustment. <laughs> Now, did you move northwest Arkansas? I know that's always the... Well, I lived in Fort Smith, uh, which is kind of the southern edge, I guess, of northwest Arkansas. Okay. It's a quick quick hop and a skip to get up there. So, But I lived in Arkansas for a long time. I went to University of Arkansas. I'm a Razorback through and through. I love the state. It's a beautiful state. They've got amazing trout fishing up there. The northwest part of the state where, uh, you know, where Walmart, Fayetteville, Bentonville is, it's beautiful. It's all beautiful country. So I lived in Arkansas for many years. I uh, 
I, when I graduated University of Arkansas as an industrial engineer, I went to work in Dallas in warehousing. And I came back to Arkansas after a couple of years just because it was really honestly too big for me. And so I ended up with a, uh, a fabulous company, ABF Freight, a big LTL trucking company. Oh, yeah. They are one of the, they're one of the good ones. 25 years. And it's, it's shaped a lot of who I am today. There's a lot of things that I do today, a lot of the ways I approach things today it's all based upon how I was shaped from that company. They just have some very deep philosophical ways they go about doing things. And it still shapes what I do today. But I was there for 25 years and circumstances happened where it made sense for me to look at doing some other things. And so I ended up relocating to the Atlanta area, partly to get my wife closer to home and to pursue another challenge. And one thing led to another. I left that company and it was kind of uh, fascinating. The day I left that company, Someone called me and said, hey, I've got some guys I know that need some help. They're trying to get into LTL, but they're parcel guys. You're out of a job now. So voila. <laughs> and so that was my introduction to the world of consulting. So I started helping these guys out and I really enjoyed that. And so one thing led to another. That's pretty much what I'm doing on a full-time basis. And I just, I love what I'm doing. I've got to give a ton of credit to COVID and the, you know, the technology we're using today because I'm on video calls with people in California, Canada, Australia, you know, Florida every day. Yeah. And you're not jumping on a plane three days a yeah, week either. That's right. and, they're, and they're so willing to tap into the resources they need regardless of where they live and, and, and do it that way and get the expertise that they, that they need. So, so yeah, it's kind of a funny how I've, I've segued from uh, working for the big corporate company, working from other companies. Now I'm working on my own and I uh, just really love what I'm Yep. And so the reason we came together or how I came to get to know you is you had posted something on LinkedIn and my friend, um, Brad from JBF consulting, Brad Forrester, he had posted a nice comment about it. said, check this out. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to check this out. And then I sent you a friend request and said, Oh my God, I love this article. And that's how we came together. But the name of your article was horseshoes and LTL. And so what do you mean by horseshoes and LTL as we transition to uh, the topic today? Yeah, well, pretty, pretty simple. In the world of LTL with the way pricing works, sometimes that extra five or 10 pounds or that extra inch or two can, can be a huge difference. A lot of it comes down to long and what you pay. <laughs> yeah. What you, is what you pay. That's right. There are there are rules at play, ways that pricing has been constructed over the years that that small differential can be a really big deal. It can create a threshold effect. You know, it can be the difference between a $200 freight bill and a $600 freight bill. And it's and because of that, you, you get into, the, into this competition, this conflict between carrier and shipper where the carrier wants that $200 freight bill and the, the shipper wants that $200 freight bill and the carrier wants that $600 freight bill. And there's just better ways of doing things that smooth out those massive threshold effects where now you get to, is it going to be, you know, 360 or 365? And I think we can come to grips and accept one or the other of those in better fashion. Right. And so this is where the horseshoe, horseshoes is close enough, right? So mm-hmm. that's right. That's and, right. And, we get the horseshoe in close enough. We can call it good and let's move on and let the shipper go ship and let the carrier go move freight. Yeah, just because not everybody comes from that LTL background, I want to. I'll give my layman's term of LTL, and I give. Please jump in after. So let's just say I'm in New York City, and I say I got to move three pallets to LA. I could get a. I could get a truck, a full truck, and it could haul that stuff. And I don't know what it would cost today, but I'm guessing 
four or five grand, three grand. It's it's a lot of money. I have no idea what a full truck costs from th- th- this one minute, but that's a guess. Pretty good guess, I think. So it's 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 a lot of money, and so I say, oh my god, I paid fifteen hundred dollars per pallet to get it out there. That blows my my costs up. So what I might try and do is say, I'm going to look for somebody who's shipping something from New York to LA and say, can I throw my three pallets on the back of your truck? So I think over time, a market grew and then a, an industry grew. And now there's companies that say, hey, if you, have, you don't have enough for a full truck, if you have some number less, I don't know if it's six or 12 pallets, I think it's six, six or six or eight or 12 stacked, right? They'll they'll charge me for that, that piece of the truck. And it's a much better deal. Now I'm paying a little more cost per unit than I would if I had a full truck, but I don't have a full truck. So this is a great way to do business if it works. The problem, and you this is where the you started talking a little bit about the pricing, is when I get a price quoted to me that's eight hundred and fifty dollars and then I get the real the invoice comes and it's a thousand fifty dollars and you say oh well that's because you moved something you you said it was you said it was chairs and i said it was chairs you're like yeah but you didn't say wooden chairs they were actually and because there's all these classification system that ltl uses and it's very confusing and I, i've said this many times in my podcast complexity is the enemy of quality and if there's one thing those pricing classifications are is they're complex and they're confusing. And I think sometimes you find shippers who don't know. Other times I think they're saying, oh, I'm going to save a little money by misclassifying it. So anyway, getting back to one one last thing about the LTL, the way it used to work, well, I think it mostly still works this way, is this hub and spoke. So that might not go straight to LA. It might go from New York and then it stops in Nevada or wherever it stops <laughs> and uh, gets loaded on another truck. And then it gets to LA. So it's not going to take four days. It might take a week. So there might be more handling. It's going to cost a little more cost per unit. But again, I don't have a whole bunch of units. So it ends up being a much yeah. better deal than sp- spending the price of a full truck. Yeah, yeah. Much more economical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of LTL is that when you think about the uh, the modes on either end, when you think about parcel, you know, if I'm going to ship something parcel, I've got to pretty much put it in a box. I can't just walk in with something and say, here, ship it and, and UPS take that. It's got to be in a box. When you think about shipping with UPS or FedEx or anybody else parcel, whether it's Postal Service or some of these other parcel companies, they tend to not really care what's in the box. They tend to care about how big, how big is the box and how much does the box weigh? That's what drives it. It's not the contents. It's the box itself. Right. On the other That's end, of the spectrum, you've got LTL. full truckload, right? You've got full truckload, right? You're paying for the full truck. And so that trucking company doesn't really care what you're putting in the truck. They just care that you're using the truck, and they're going to charge you for using that, that capacity of space and weight to move that truck from point A to point B. LTL is in, you know, has always been different in that. Number one, you can ship pretty much everything in any form that you want, right? I can walk in with a pallet or I can just walk in with loose boxes. And the other very interesting thing is the pricing is is largely driven off of what's in the box versus the box or the pallet itself. And that's what makes it so complex is that you typically have to know what is being shipped rather than, you know, what the size or weight of, of what's being shipped. And and I seem to remember this because I, I did sell less than truckload services. So 
in truckload, it, the truckload market is much, much bigger than the LTL. Yeah, probably probably like 10 times bigger maybe. So. Yep. so you have top 10 LTL companies do about 80% of the volume in the business. And then you have the top 25, I think, do like 90% of the business. And so these are the companies you might recognize would be Estes. I see their trucks around Dayton Freight, USF Holland. We're going to talk a little bit Old Dominion, I think is one of the leaders, FedEx and UPS or T-Force now, I guess. And so if you need to do LTL, and a lot of companies, again, get used to it, especially if you're a manufacturer, a lot of companies, well, they're not just manufacturers. Lots of companies have depended on it over the years. The problem that you run into when you sell less than truckload services is they'll say things, and I've heard this, correct me if I go astray here, <laughs> Scooter, it's cheaper to sit, to move bricks than it is feathers. And you go, well, if I'm only taking six pallet positions, what do you care if it's feathers or bricks? And they're like, because bricks are heavier, so I'm going to charge you less. It never made any sense to me. And and it's that pricing can get very confusing. So a lot of times when you have LTL shippers that you're working with, you're, say, you're explaining that they misclassified or I misclassified their freight, and that's why it costs an extra 500 bucks. It's a horrible conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it just comes down to the fact that for the trucking companies, the LTL carriers, it's the space that matters in their trucks. They they fill out space in their trucks before they put too much weight on the truck. So, you know, those 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 pallets of bricks take up a very, very small amount of space, whereas the feathers can literally take up the entire trailer. And the carriers themselves are just getting better and better at figuring those dynamics out. They're deploying the technology that allows them to understand how big the freight is that gets into their network and they're and they're and they're getting better and better at making sure they're compensated accordingly for it. That's that's one one reason that their profits are doing they're doing so well profit wise is that they understand the freight in their network better than they ever have. Yep. So let's switch gears and talk about some of the changes coming. So the industry has been talking about it, I think for correct me if I'm wrong, at least 10, 15 years about how we're going to change our pricing. So it's easier. So we don't have to argue with our three PLs and our shippers. And it's not like ever they're not like they're making money hand over fist doing it. I don't think there's any real advantage. It's just a system that developed over time. And I think you could from the NMFTA, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But talk about what's happening now. That say some movement towards an easier pricing model, which gets to the horseshoes and the title. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, I was, I was in the LTL industry with, with, uh, with ABF, big carrier back when uh, FedEx. And, and they're UPS, a great carrier, by the way. They both, they both came into LTL from the parcel side. So I was one of many, many people out there in LTL that were expecting that UPS and FedEx were going to flex their muscles and show us LTL guys how to simplify LTL, but it never really happened. But now it is starting to happen. And I think that a lot of it really came down to that those companies, as big as they were, they realized that I can't just walk in the door and, and just tell everyone how it's going to be. Because for me to change how longstanding pricing has worked, it's going to take a more grassroots effort you know, by multiple people. And it's really going to be adopted one customer at a time. And they realized they couldn't just come in and with one fell swoop, change everything. But I think over time, the, the dynamics have changed. There's enough pent-up demand for change to come about. And carriers are learning how to craft solutions that they can 
assigned to different customers that want those solutions. And that's what we're starting to see. We're starting to see some carriers talking about making things simpler. We're, we're seeing the NMFTA, the governing body that runs the classifications, they're recognizing the need to simplify things. You know, I can give you a really good example of this. I can, and you know, to, to put some context on this, my time working at an LTL carrier, I actually managed and directed the Wang and Research Department. I was the one responsible for helping ensure that the, the company was generating the revenue we deserved when the customers weren't describing their freight properly. And I saw this uh, and it really kind of colored and shaded the, the direction I've gone in this. But I can remember having a situation where we were in an argument with the customer on what the classification was. We went to the NMFTA to get an opinion, you know, like a almost like a legal opinion of here's what the correct answer is. And what they told us was that these incubators that this shipper was shipping, that there were two different classes that applied depending upon whether the incubators were being used for medical purposes or research purposes. And, and I was like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. We, I can't tell this shipper that they have to use a different class depending upon whether they're shipping it to a hospital or a university or a, you know, a poultry farmer. But that was the answer. And so it just showed that at the end of the day, for us, the carrier, it didn't matter what kind of incubator it was. It came down to how much does it weigh and how big is it? Those were the, those were the prevailing characteristics that determined are we getting the revenue we deserve. So, yep. and, and that's, that's where we are today. I think we're finally at an inflection point where everyone is waiting and needing some change, some simplification, and we've got some big entities that are starting to uh, grease the wheels for it. Yep. By the way, when I still managed 3P of this little 3PL and we did less than truckload, I would I would put a carrier scorecard together for my customers. And so I would we for one customer, I'll say I used like seven LTL companies. And across the top I would have four things that I would measure. And again, I I call these key performance indicators. Not all metrics grow up to be key performance indicators. These are only the most important ones. So I'd have cost per mile, which someone could say that's not that useful because some lanes are more expensive. But if you send the same factory locations every week, it's 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 useful. So that would that would be my cost, right? My next one, I would say billing accuracy. So I would judge each one of my carriers on billing accuracy. And by the way, that was also judging us. So we would go back and say, can we negotiate so we can get, I don't care if it's $150 or $100. I just yeah. don't want my quoted price to be different than my invoice price. doesn't matter to me. Let's make it right. So we measured that. It was our second most. And then we'd measure, you know, damage-free shipments and then um, on-time performance, which is, an you know, the estimate versus the actual. And the, the billing thing could get really, really out of control quickly sometimes. And it was just like you just mentioned. I remember shipping, I think it was chairs, and I think some chairs are wooden chairs and others are like, you know, fine uh, living room chairs at the, all with upholstered chairs versus unupholstered versus long. Right, right. And of course, we picked the best, the lowest price. Why? Because we wanted to win the business from the, from the incumbent. And then when, then when the carrier spit it back at us, we kind of half expected that might happen. It's a horrible way to do business for everybody. Yeah, they would talk about uh, getting the NMF guide and you've got on the left side, you've got the description and on the right side, you've got the classes. So 
you know, the, the, the shipper would, you know, we would argue the shipper goes over to the right side. They go down, they find the class 50 and then they go over. Oh yeah, that's it. That's what I'm shipping right there. Right. So, and so it'd be like, what's the lowest class? Is it 40 or 20? 50. 50 is the lowest. 50? Okay. What's the highest? 500. Okay. So that is, that is the, the way we've always done it and the way we're still doing it. But what is the way we're moving? What are we moving towards? I think we're moving towards uh, two things. Number one, I think we're moving towards for those that want to retain the classification process. And it's, it's deeply ingrained in a lot of things we do. TMS systems, uh, budgeting processes, it's, it's deeply ingrained. And there's no reason why we can't keep it around, but it's got to be simplified. So the majority of freight that's moving today, it's in cardboard boxes moving on pallets. And so when you think about furniture, right, whether it's a, a wooden chair or a uh, upholstered chair, it's probably going in a box on a pallet. OK, so whether it's upholstered or wooden or metal or plastic or whatever really shouldn't matter anymore. If it's in a box on a pallet, what matters at that point is what is the density? What is the weight? What are the dimensions? What is the density? That's what drives the cost of the carriers. And that's really what drives the classification process today anyway. So I think the NMFTA is starting to make some some changes, some big changes, where they're grabbing these 30, 40, 50 different uh, NMF items that pertain to chairs of various types, and they're bundling all together under one item, and that is classed based upon density. And that means for you, the shipper, if you know how much the pallet weighs and how big the pallet is, you know what the class is. And if you have that and you know that it's right, when you tender that to the carrier, they should find the same thing. And so your invoice should match your expectations or your quote. Right. And I think, you know, we can make this, we can make these change. Like right now, if I, if I was your carrier and um, every week you're paying about $10,000 to me and you're shipping about the same amount every week, and then we make a change to the system and you're paying Fifty dollars more, fifty dollars less. It doesn't matter. It's more or less a wash. We can change our system so it doesn't have these big impacts and yeah. and simplify. Because again, I I believe that doing LTL is is ruinous for relationships. Because again, I quote you eight hundred dollars and it comes back at twelve hundred dollars, and I'm explaining why that you're wrong and you owe me an extra four hundred dollars. It's a horrible. It's a horrible way to do business, and I think. It it reflects poorly on the three PL, reflects poorly on the on the uh, carrier, and in a lot of ways, let's face it, the shipper is the customer. So at some point, we have to make this predictable for them. So if you say I spend about ten thousand dollars, I don't want to spend an extra two thousand because a whole bunch of mis or reclassifications that got slapped on after I moved it. So. What's what is the change that you're starting to see and who is who's driving some of these changes? Well, I think some of the carriers out there have been doing some of the changes with very little fanfare without without really promoting or advertising it. So so but but we do see here recently Old Dominion and FedEx notably have announced some changes. Well, and they're two they leaders, right? And they're they're two leaders. They're number one, number two in terms of size, you know, and, and they're also highly profitable. So they really are leaders in every sense of the word leaders. And they both have come out uh, announcing uh, programs they're rolling out where rather than utilizing the NMF classification system to price freight, it's based more upon the actual profile of the freight. It's that it's that weight. It's that dimension of the objects being being tendered to the carrier. And what they're telling you is that 
if you uh, measure and weigh your freight properly and you put that information on the bill of lading and you get your quote based upon that, if the data is accurate, that quote will be what we invoice you. So your, the invoice will match the quote. And so I think that's a, that's a huge step. And you've got, to, again, you've got two of the biggest carriers out there announcing a, you know, programs to try to roll this out. And they realize that they can't just, you know, roll it out in force and push it on customers. So they're, they're offering it up there for the customers that want to investigate it and try that out. Right. Now, I remember this. Um, I forgot the term for it, but used to be able to take talk, maybe talk to the LTL carrier and say, hey, I've got a whole bunch of these or some are 65, some are 85, some are 45. Can we just call them all 65? What do they call yeah, like them? Yeah, like an FAK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, FAK. So that's freight all kinds, right? Right, right. Is that somewhat what's happening here? I think, you know, from the carrier's perspective, from these two carriers, I think they're, they're trying to find some ways to do away with FAKs. FAKs, really are not good for anybody, especially these days. They're they're not good for the kids. It was good for not having a whole bunch of uh, reclassification. That's all we cared about. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, today, again, so much of the classifications, they come down to you've got to know the density. You've got to know the density of the freight. You've got to know your weight and dims anyway. And so if you have to know that, having an FAK really doesn't simplify anything. And all it really does is it gives, it puts risk on the carrier because you're moving all your freight at like an FAK 70, that means I can ship bean bags class 400 and get an FAK 70 rate. And me, the carrier, I don't know how, I don't know if you're going to move into the bean bag market right. tomorrow, right? So that's risk for me. So I've got a price, I've got to give you a discount that offsets this FAK. And so, you know, back when I got into LTL, it was very advantageous for shippers to get FAKs because the carriers couldn't police them. Well, the carriers can police them now and they know the freight. And so they build that risk in. And it's not good for the shippers to have those FAKs. And I think that's what's So we're going to get rid of FAK and just simplify the classifications. I think they're trying to get rid of the class for the FAKs because they want to be able to price and cost every shipment in a vacuum all by itself based upon the actual profile of that freight. Right. And so if I give you the dimensions and and then uh, I give you the weight, I don't have to know the density. You'll figure that out for me. <laughs> so if I so in a TMS, it makes sense that I should be able to say what's the weight, what's the dims, and if it says what class, I don't I, I don't even select a class. I select that's right. Yeah, the good TMSs that I've seen, they number one either force you to enter dimensions of the handling units, or they strongly encourage you to do that. And when you do, they look at the weight and the dent and the dimensions you enter and the class you enter, and they and they warn you or let you know that. Hey, you know, you entered class 60 here, but based upon the density, that doesn't really look like class 60. So No, I remember that as a transportation that. management system that we used to use. It, you could put the class in and the DIMS and the, and the, well, we are the 3PL. We didn't always, we weren't measuring the freight. We were, we were giving those, given those dimensions. And so sometimes we'd have customers come back and scream at us and they say, look, you told us these dimensions and they, and we put them in there and it spit it back out at us that it wasn't a class 75. And now you're complaining later on that, that we didn't give you class 75. Anyway, so we, now we have old dominion and FedEx and you said the national motor freight traffic association or NMFTA I used to say that every day. Now I don't say it. And they're the ones that are kind of the governing body of those classifications that have caused so much trouble in the past. They're, they're all, so we have the leader and we also have the kind of the governing body. And by the way, what's nice about LTL is again, the top 10 are 80% of the volume. And I think the top 90% of the volume goes to 25 carriers. So once 
once the few of the leaders take this move, I think it could happen very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think a lot of what they're doing is, you know, you think about it, you know, playing golf. If you're trying to putt on a putting green that hasn't been mowed in a couple of weeks, it's going to be really hard to be accurate and, uh, you know, hit the ball into the cup, right? I think what these carriers are doing is I think they're saying, look, we're going to go, we're going to go not create a nice green. It's been freshly mowed. It's, it's been watered. Make it's the real smooth. Bigger. There's no, <laughs> no undulations out there. And so we're setting the stage that you can be accurate, but, you know, we've got to work together. We've got to come together and play on this course together to go make it work. And it may be a different course than your house course, but we think it's a good course. So so that kind of brings us to this third point here, which is we have a problem. That's the pricing complexity. There's a desire to change from of a number of the leaders. And and the last point you kind of we talked about before we hit record was kind of the carriers and the three PLs and the shippers kind of working together through what is going to be a, a a transition, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about the way that the classification process works today is that it's, it's really destined to fail because in some cases you have to know the density of the products on the pallet. In some cases you have to know the density of the pallet itself. And it gets really complicated for shippers out there to understand the nuances, the differences between those two. And so what these carriers are doing and what the NMFTA is advertising is a shift towards where that's where we're getting to. We're really getting down to it's the it's the pallet itself. It's not the boxes on the pallet that matter. It's the pallet itself and setting the stage to do that. But again, it's it's been ingrained in customers mentality, customers processes to do things differently. When you think about your typical shipper. They tend to know the size of their box and their weights. It's in their master data. You know, if, if I'm right. shipping sneakers or T-shirts, I know the boxes and how big they are. But when I go to ship, I got to now know the size of my pallets because that's what the carrier wants to know. And so we've got this transition where we've got to we've got to get to that point where the shipper really knows what their pallets, weights, and dims are in order to predict what their what their charges are going to be. And that's the data that the carriers want anyway. And so. I think these carriers like FedEx and Old Dominion, I think they're signaling that you, the shipper, if you can help me and give me this good, accurate date on the front end on electronic bill lading before I even pick up the freight, I know what to expect. It makes my job easier to move your freight and I'll reward you with it with invoices that match the uh, quote. I'll reward you with better on time performance and just a better, uh, a better uh, price in the long term because you're working with me to make things more efficient. Yeah. And before we hit record, there was one other thing we talked about, which was the old way that LTL tended to work was there was lots of times where you would you have a pickup pick in the Detroit area. Let's go back to my New York to LA. It would go from New York and then it would go somewhere, let's just say Chicago. It would change trucks and then it would go from Chicago to somewhere out West and then it would change trucks again, or maybe just had, and there was lots of handling and lots of damage. The more you handle it, the more you're going to damage it. The more you handle it, the more expensive it is. It seems as if with more data, they've gotten better and better. And I, I described to you a shipment that I was looking at that was going from Laredo to Minneapolis. And it was not going to be opened until it got to Minneapolis. Now, in the past, and a lot of people would say this who are, haven't been in LTL in a while, oh, that's going to stop three or four places, be moved from two or three trucks, not anymore. As they have better data, they say, we're going to have one of those pups and we're not going to open it till Minneapolis. So 
I guess what you could say is the industry is constantly upgrading. And I think some of this is in response to there's competitive pressure. There's there's truckload companies. I just talked to Orange Zlansky from Flock Freight, and there's others who are saying, you don't need LTL anymore. With our technology, we're able to help you share a vehicle. So it's a good option. And let's face it, during COVID, some LTL got very difficult. We all know that. So I think you're seeing the LTL industry say, hey, guys, we got to step up. We got to get better. And so good news for all of us. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to summarize. I'm going to summarize this scooter. Then I want to get some of your final thoughts. So talking to scooter sayers and we're talking horseshoes and LTL. And when we say horseshoes, we're meaning we're getting pricing that's close enough, like horseshoes. Yeah. And so we talked about three things. It's first off, the pricing has been complex and difficult for a long time, has caused so many rifts between shippers and 3PLs and the carriers. And they, everybody knows and everyone hates it. So there's a desire to change. That's the second point. And we're seeing industry leaders making a move. Hallelujah. And by the way, I'm going to put a link to Scooter's article about this in the show notes. So you can check that out. And so we see Old Dominion, we see FedEx, we see the National Motor Freight Traffic Association, all saying, let's move. And the good thing about it is if once the top guys move, I think everybody will move with them. And then last but not least, we talked about this transition is going to require cooperation from everybody. You know, we're going to need everyone to come together and say, we all hate it, but if we're going to make this transition, we got to work together, we got to communicate and that's the only way this is going to work. So, Scooter, final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, one of the one of the really fascinating things about LTL Day is that the carriers they know more about the freight in their network than they ever have, but they still don't know enough. So, your your best carriers are probably capturing dimensions on sixty five percent of the freight that's moving in their network. They need that data. They need that data to plan their network. They need that data to make sure that I can run freight from origin destination without having to transfer it. And, and they, they can't do that unless they know exactly how much space to account for on their trucks. They need that data to make sure they can cost their freight properly, to make sure they get compensated properly. But if they can only capture uh, that data on 60, 65% of their freight today, how are they going to get to 100%? Well, one way you get there is by you get your shippers to get that data for you. And if you have shippers that can provide it for you, then you can take that capacity that you have to measure with your equipment that you use at your terminals. You can shift that that uh, that uh, technology to the other shippers out there that you know might not be giving you the accurate data. That to me is what these carriers are talking about doing. They're trying to push the shippers to get them that data on the front end so I know what I'm picking up before I even pick it up. It just makes the world and life better for everybody to do that. It gives right. the carriers the data they need. And so it's really going to be coming, coming upon two things, I think. Number one, the, the shippers are going to have to get better at doing this. And they can do it today. They may have to change some processes. And there is some technology that's coming out in 2023 that, that I think is really going to help the shippers out with this, regardless of how big they are and how much they ship. And then number two, I think the carriers are going to have to, you know, that horseshoes principle comes down to the carrier's are going to have to learn to accept the information that the shippers give them as long as it's close enough. Now, I don't know what that is going to mean to be close enough. You know, is it is it within 1%? Is it within 5%? It's got to be some reasonable number that says, I'm not going to ding you and charge you more because you tried to give me good data, but I found an extra inch here or there or an extra 10 pounds. And I think that's what these carriers are, are planning on doing is I want to I want to incentivize and encourage my shippers to give me good data and I can't penalize them for it or they won't do it. 
Right. By the way, um, we didn't say it, but I think it's worth saying is that we have all these new transportation management systems. We all have visibility tools that we didn't have for a long time. We have the mobile technologies. We have all this. But what we what's still so important in this business, in all business, is communication. And that and and if it means I'm going to go visit the terminal. A lot of LTL carriers will have you over. You go over, you get a tour. You can go over and say, "Hey, I want to, I want to go over some of these reclasses. I want to, I want to see how our freight comes in here. I want to understand what we can do to be better. Help us save money." A lot of times, the carrier, especially if you're a big shipper or 3PL, they're open. I've, I've toured, I've toured LTL facilities and learned so much because. They were open to it. And again, if you're a big yeah. shipper, why not? And I always say if you're a 3PL or a shipper or carrier, it, the relationships, personal relationships matter a lot. And I think anybody who holds you at arm's length won't let you get involved with them. You're not going to work with them for the long run. That's just, that's, that's, I don't care what business it is. And by the way, if you don't want to do all that, hire Scooter because he can do that for you. <laughs> I would, highly, I would highly encourage every shipper out there to get to know your carriers because that's what they that's what they want. That's what they thrive with is that relationship where they get to know you and work together. And I think that, you know, things have gotten very transactional these days with the way TMSs have proliferated. It's, it's easy to look at each carrier as, you know, you're just one carrier like all the others, but they are all so different. And that's, you know, in some of the work that I do in talking with shippers and talking with 3PLs, Part of the game is making sure that you're using the right carrier for the right customer, for the right type of freight. You know, you could be you could be getting frustrated with your carrier, but it's because you're using the wrong carrier. You may be using a carrier that's not really focused on residential deliveries or, or doesn't want certain types of freight. And if you just go to a different carrier and you get to know each other, then you can work those differences out better. So. And by the way, not every not every LTL company is the same. They have their preferred lanes and they have that's lanes right. that they don't want. And again, that's why the, I'm not just saying this to be nice. This is why you want to get someone like Scooter involved with, with your freight because not everybody has the understanding of this market. It can be very complex. I'm I'm, I'm very sensitive to talking over people's heads because when I got into less than truckload, I was kind of blown away by the nonsense talk. And again, I, I said to you before when I would go visit shippers and they would say, oh, we have a, a 1988 tariff with a 75% discount. I was like... Just give me your bills. Let <laughs> me see what you're paying. Like that's that's silly talk that makes no sense to the rest of the world. So I'm glad we're we're upgrading. Anyway, Scooter. Yeah. When I got into LTL, I thought it was going to be the easiest job in the world, right? All you're doing is moving a pallet from point A to point B. How hard can it be, right? How complex can it be? And uh, you know, I found out. But you know, that's what's drawn me in and held me here is that it's it's complex, it's challenging. But it's just a great industry. There's no industry like it. You know, we, we the LTL carriers will, will pretty much haul anything, but they, you know, they definitely want to make sure they get compensated for it. So if they if they're going to get compensated for it, they're going to work with you. And uh, it just it's really comes down to carrier and shipper working together for one common good. Right. So, Scooter, who do you work with? Who is who's the sweet spot for you and your business? Most of what I do today is working with those small to mid-sized 3PLs that are, you know, again, they're, they're either trying to move from truckload or parcel into LTL or they're dabbling in LTL, but they want to step up their game, helping them to understand the carrier, uh, carriers and connect with them. 
I do similar work with uh, with medium-sized to large shippers to help optimize their freight spend and really spend more time looking under the hood than trying to uh, negotiate better pricing because there's typically more savings uh, internally anyway. And if you show the carrier that you're doing everything on your end to make things better, they're typically going to be a little bit more accepting of maybe doing some price adjustments once you show them that you're doing your part. So I do that kind of work. And I also work with some dimensioning companies that are getting ready to roll out some pretty slick technology that I think is going to really help. What is dimensioning companies? What is that? You know, right now, I think that's one of the challenges that that shippers really need is they need uh, tools to be able to capture that data of what their freight looks like uh, before it's tendered to the carrier. They need to, they need a way of electronically capturing the weights and the dims of their pallets and uh, taking photographs of those pallets. So they know they can use that as evidence. If a, uh, if a rebuild or a reclass does occur, they've got backup data that they can use to show the carrier what took place. If a uh, damage claim happens, they've got proof of what the uh, pallet looked like before it was tendered to the carrier. And there's a couple of companies that are working on some pretty slick technology that I think is going to, help make that easier for shippers to do that. Well, I, I remember those dimensioning machines in the past. They were always very expensive. I hope they're coming down in price because I think that's half the problem is somebody says you got to make a big investment. And you're like, no, thanks. I'll just guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there there is one of those companies. They are getting ready to roll out a, a dimensioner that can work in conjunction with a stretch wrapper. So I think it's going to be a really slick piece of equipment for your larger shippers that already have stretch wrappers to begin with. I mean, think about being able to stretch wrap, weigh, measure, and take photos of your freight before you tender it to the carriers. That's a that's a pretty powerful proposition. And then there's another company I'm working with. They make a very inexpensive handheld solution that can work great for your smaller to mid-sized customers to capture all of that data. And then for both companies, capture that data and then get it over to the bill of lading so that you're you're sending that data to are these like the laser ones? Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's a little handheld tool that's a, it's a handheld tape measure that's Bluetooth capable and it's got a a barcode scanner built into it, so we can Very scan nice. your barcodes, measure your freight, and uh, integrate with a handheld device to take the photos and send all that data to uh, to the bill of lading. I love it. So, how do we reach out and talk to you, Scooter? I'm easy to get hold of. My website is uh, my company is Sears Logistics, so it's just www.sayerslogistics.com. Or you can reach me at scooter at sayerslogistics.com. Yeah. And I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile. So I'll put all those your website and I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and I'll put a link to your article too. You have an by the way, Scooter has a number of very good LTL articles that he's posted. I looked at a few of them after we connected last night. So anyway, Scooter, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your LTL expertise with us. Yeah, Joe, it's been a pleasure. I could sit back and chat with you about this stuff for hours. So it's great visiting with you. And you make this these kinds of conversations very, very easy. So, Well, thank you. It's always easy when you find an expert. That's I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because uh, you really do know this stuff. And again, I, I think one of the challenges with LTL is just how complex it is. And, a lot, and by the way, one of the problems you also run into is truckload carriers they run into somewhere so it's like 80 percent of our freight is truckload we got that 20 percent that is ltl if you want to win it you got to become competent at ltl and that's where that's where scooter comes in. yeah i can help you do that so you bet thank you so much scooter really appreciate it yeah thanks joe thank you yep and thank all of you for listening to my podcast your support's very much appreciated until next time onward and upward 
You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.